This is Saturday Morning Mysteries. And we're your hosts, Alexis and Grace. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of Saturday Morning Mysteries, where we are your hosts. I'm Alexis. I'm Grace. And on this beautiful Saturday morning or whatever morning that you're watching this. Or afternoon or evening. Or afternoon or evening, day, night, weekday, weekend. Don't care. We're just happy you're listening. (laughs) And we hope you're happy to hear yet another, Mm. oh gosh, wild and crazy (laughs) investigation by Charlie Chan and his 10 kids from the show, The Amazing Chan and the Chan Clan. Grace is on deck today. I cannot wait to hear what story she's telling. We've had a great streak so far. And I know that today is going to be just as ridiculous as the past few or however many weeks have been. So, Grace, take it away. Oh, it will be. You are correct. Um, Today, I am covering episode 14, which is entitled The Greek Caper. We start off on family vacation. Mm. Uh, Dad weekend, dad week, dad month. Don't know if it's spring break or summer break or whatever, but they're in Greece. Thus the name, okay. the Greece caper. Or oh. the Greek caper. Uh, yes. Okay. I was so, like, wait, Greece as in like oil? Like, yeah, whatever. They're no, all just covered in oil. <laughs> We're going to like a body shop. <laughs> dad, why'd you put us to work? Show kids are undercover. <laughs> Big operation. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're like slipping slipping through the people's hands because they're so (laughs) greasy. (laughs) No, no, no. They are in the country. Um, And we start off, they've got like a suite at a nice hotel. And the littlest ones, Mimi, Scooter, and Choo Choo, are out on this huge balcony. It's definitely like penthouse situation. I can only describe this as like a Romeo and Juliet balcony. It's like marble and covered in roses. I don't know why (laughs) it's so extravagant, but it is. Mm, And there's a telescope out on it. Um, And there it's a clear starry night. And they're soon joined after they like adjust the telescope a little bit uh, by some like amalgamation of some of the older kids. I don't remember who walked out a handful of them. It's hard to keep track of all these children. All 10 of them. Yeah, exactly. Could have been for all I know. (laughs) So Mimi, again, had been out there and she was adjusting the telescope. And she turns to look at some ruins that they visited earlier that day. Because they are specifically in Athens. So, Bird, we're going to briefly talk here about some Greek history, which I know, like me, you are an expert in. (laughs) Of course. Naturally. Yeah. We wrote the Wikipedia pages. Yeah. What aren't we experts in, frankly? (laughs) So everything. We're going to start off with the Parthenon. I don't even know if that's actually saying it correctly. Parthenon. Um, Because they're looking at that through the telescope. And it's what you think of when you like think of ancient ruins in Athens. It's that like huge rectangular building with those huge like marble columns making its outer wall and like the grounds all around it are like crumbled temple ruins. Um, And the land around it is called the Athenian Acropolis. So construction of the Parthenon happened or began in 447 BC. So it's a little old. 
Um, a little older than initially Christ himself. it was. What was that? <laughs> older than Christ himself, <laughs> <laughs> as the BC would indicate. Yes. Um, Told you we're experts. Before chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is when history truly began. They're here to make history, baby. Yes. So it was initially built as a temple for the goddess Athena. And through all of the millennia that it stood, it went through many different uses as various temples for different religions based on whoever the heck was currently conquering Athens, including a Christian church for the Virgin Mary, a mosque during the Ottoman conquest. And again, it still stands today. Um, restorations started on the Parthenon like in earnest in 1975, um, interestingly, few years after this episode so at one point i will say they just walk into it which i don't think you can do anymore so okay (laughs) thus a sign of the times Um, the greek government saw this or like the un unesco (laughs) whoever saw this and they were like shut that shit down kids are gonna do this (laughs) we're not on kids run through here anymore um and today the parthenon remains a symbol of the greek empire democracy and western civilization and also that's what wikipedia said alexis and i copied it from there we're not gonna comment it's like empire and democracy kind of now. Yes. Okay. Yeah, cool. all in the same cool, sentence. Cool, cool. Right. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> like we said, we wrote the Wikipedia page, but we can't be held we can't. accountable for it. JK, we obviously did we not. just put down what they so, tell us. Also through their telescope, uh, they note in the grounds of the Acropolis this very tall statue, marble statue, which they call the winged Venus of Athens which apparently is not an actual statue, but it essentially looks like a like version of the winged victory as Samothrace, Samothras, which is that beautiful, oh, you'll know it in a second, don't worry, okay. because it's this beautiful, huge statue of, again, a marble statue of a winged woman representing the goddess of victory. She's got big wings, like a flowing like tunic or whatever. No head because it got knocked off somehow, um, which is in the Louvre, which I know you've uh, been to. So when you're okay. walking yes. in and like yeah. up that staircase, there's that huge like winged statue. Yeah. I yeah. think this is just what they're basing it off of. So instead of winged victory, it's now the winged Venus. Gotcha. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, no brag that Bert and I have seen it. Yeah, it's uh, and if for those who don't here, know, actually. yeah, Google it or watch um uh, the Beyonce music video in the Louvre because they definitely <laughs> are in front of it at one point. <laughs> so anyways, as our last piece of history here, yes, yeah, so they got the Parthenon, they've got this winged Venus statue. Um, and as just a general piece of history, um, we're going to get a little into some Greek history here. And by a little, I mean pretty in depth because it does end up being relevant to like okay. paint the scene of what's happening in the early 70s um, in Greece. Because again, not only are we Greek historians, but we're also modern day Greek experts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To no surprise here. So (laughs) we're going to fast forward from when the Parthenon was built in 447 BC, about 2,400 years into the future, uh, Mm -hmm. to the 1970s when the Chans were visiting Greece. 
So post-World War II Greece, um, again, we're very familiar with it. It went through some shit. So Uh from political assassinations to a new king to volcanoes to earthquakes to multiple successful and failed coups. So I am going to make a wide assumption here that just based on that even single sentence, that many things happening in a country, I would assume naturally gives some way, some elbow room perhaps for corruption to, um, you know, sneak its way through Mm -hmm. Um, just because of instability in a government and even stable governments filled with corruption. Yes. So don't want this to be a commentary on the Greek uh, political system, which again, we are experts in, but I'm just going to make a wild assumption that it was able to happen. And so according to some browsing of Wikipedia's timeline of modern Greek history, page is just like like two wikipedia pages thank you very much (laughs) here's just like a in like the 10 years before this episode it takes place in the early 70s we've got just to give you a picture of the shit going down in greece yeah in 1964 the king died and was succeeded by his son constantine the second um I do think that royalty at the time operated like English royalty, AKA like there's still a parliament and like other rulers, but yeah, there's also royalty. So in um, 1965, this new King Constantine II and other politicians were kind of sick of having the parliament and stuff. So they held a Royal coup and the premier was forced out. Two years later, in 1967, a group of military officers were like, huh, it's pretty unstable. Another coup. Military coup. Military coup. One of the scariest coups. Yep, exactly. Um, In 1968, a year later, a counter coup is attempted to give the king power again, but it fails and he flees. Um, Also, in 1968... There's an assassination attempt against the dictator who had put himself in place during the military coup. Um, Georgios Papadopoulos. Well, I don't know how to say it. I feel like so, that's like the most Greek last name ever. No, I was like, this has <laughs> yeah. got to be fake Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yes. So, uh, Georgios put him, was part of the Greek coup put himself in charge, obviously, because that's what you do when you hold a coup. Mm-hmm. Um, the government that he had been leading was a, basically an authoritarian, anti-communist, and ultra-nationalist uh, government, post, obviously, military junta. Again, same old, same old. Mm-hmm. Um, he eventually, in 1968, uh, declared himself, or declared Greece as a republic, and he was president, so no longer dictator. He's a president now. Um, okay. Ooh, promotion. I, I know. Promotion, baby. I gave <laughs> Give myself. myself. <laughs> Treat yourself. Promotion. <laughs> promotion. President. <laughs> Resident. So, um, ironically, in 1973, which is just after the Chans were there, uh, Georgios was overthrown and arrested by his co-conspirator from the original military coup. That's what Charlie Chan was there doing. <laughs> he 
Sorry, I'll put a pin in it. A pin in it. So, by the way, Wikipedia does entertain the idea that this dictator in 1973 had received possibly some training by the CIA in the 1950s and hints at U.S. involvement, having a hand in the military coup. But that was literally two lines. And I was like, this seems conspiracy theory adjacent. And I refused to do more research. So I stopped reading. But I just thought it was a little extra spice to sprinkle into this episode. Uh Uh So anyways, the chants are here. Basically the year before all of that goes down. Just in time. Good job. Yes. And early just in time to set things up. Who knows? We'll speculate. Um, Because indeed, I tell you this modern history... Because, you know, I think it deserves wild speculation at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So, anyways, we're back on our balcony. We're looking through the telescope with Mimi. Uh, She's like, huh, that's interesting. There's someone moving around the grounds. But again, restoration hadn't started yet. So it's a free-for-all, perhaps, um, in these ruins. And she notices that the winged Venus, though still a marbled statue... All of a sudden, through the telescope, she sees it just rising into the sky, just um, leaving the vicinity. Taking off flying. Just taking off flying. <sighs> uh, Henry immediately grabs the telescope when she says this to be like, girl, what you talking about? But confirms he's like, um, yeah, it's not there anymore. <laughs> and they do call the authorities, apparently, or they say they call the authorities. Oh, good. Um And I guess nothing much came from that original call uh, because when they arrived the next day, they obviously told their dad and Charlie was like, you saw a statue fucking float away. Like, I don't (laughs) think so. Let's go check it out. And Charlie is like, yeah, these kids are full of shit because once they arrived, the winged Venus statue is right there still. Um, And so Charlie Chan is understandably skeptical about what his kids were up to. Uh, as Choo Choo kind of starts growling in the direction of the Parthenon itself and is kind of tugging at the ankles of Scooter and Flip. Mm-hmm. Um, and they follow Choo Choo away. Uh, their dad's just like standing there lecturing and they're just like, yeah, yeah, we've heard it before. And they walk <laughs> away. Um, and they go into the Parthenon and they do see a man kind of creeping through. Um, they fearlessly kind of just follow him and tell him to stop where he is because they're like, person on these grounds, you must be a suspect. <laughs> um, and the man does stop because children are screaming at him to stop and a dog is growling. Um, and this man turns around. He had kind of had like a cloaked thing over him and he takes it off. And it's this middle-aged man in like a gray suit, kind of like, you know, a newsies cap and a super thick black mustache. And this like, I'm not going to try and imitate it, but this very strange Italian Greek accent that Mm. like, I don't think the voice actor actually knew a Greek accent, but he was like (laughs) Mediterranean adjacent. Great. I can do it. (laughs) Sure. Sign me up. Um, So as we turn around, he see, we see that he is carrying like an old film camera, like the type where you have to put like, you know, a little cloak over yourself for it, like hold it up, which is why that's what his little cloak thing was. You got to hold it up and then it like explodes, takes a picture. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, he sees the kids yelling at him and he's like, oh, customers. Great. (sighs) What up, tourists? Yeah. And then he notices that there's a whole family down there and he immediately seizes this opportunity and insists like 
heading towards the kids or the family still by the statue that he's like, great family photo. Let's get this done clients. Mm -hmm. And so while they are heading to the family with Scooter and Flip, like very confused, they're like, wait, what? No, yes. Family photo. Wait, aren't you the suspect? Um, (laughs) While they're flummoxed by this, um, the authorities show up to investigate the strange call they got the night before about the missing statue. Okay. Because I guess the kids called them too late and they were like, you saw the statue yeah, float away? Yeah. That's a tomorrow problem. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's too dark to look at it anyway. Oh, yeah. Man. What are we going to we'll, see? We'll be there in the morning slash afternoon. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we're tired. Yeah. We'll get there eventually. Um, and so uh, when I first watched this episode, I was like, the fuck? Because it's like an army jeep that pulls up and men in full like military uniform step out. But oh post Greek research, I was like, oh, military coup. Got it. This, this is, is why. These are just their government members. Yeah. yeah. Like literally any of these people are as part of the government and yeah. they're all part of the military. I see. <laughs> Except for there is one man not in uniform, but he was like driven there by um, the military folks. He's just in a brown suit. And as you will see an ongoing theme here, a giant black mustache, because I think they think the writers and animators think that all Greek men just have huge giant mustaches. Yeah. And again, the accents are specifically nondescript and everyone has a Mediterranean of some sort. Yep. They all got big mustaches, apparently. Mm -hmm. So this man, in another great Greek name, is Hector Olympias. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) A low-hanging fruit. Yeah, they (laughs) did not try hard at all. They read the Wikipedia. (laughs) AKA, at that time, just an encyclopedia. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They went to the library. Because they actually, that would have been a lot of work compared to what what I've done. Yeah. Hector, we learn um, as he introduces himself to Charlie Chan and actually knows who Charlie Chan is. Mm -hmm. Um, Hector is the Minister of Antiquities who was assigned specifically by the military folks to come investigate the call um, simply because obviously this has to do with Greek artifacts. So he's on the case. And again, he knows who Charlie Chan is and pretty much is immediately like, yo, you want to help solve this? Like, Uh I'm not, he's basically like, I'm here to like help make sure they're preserved. What the fuck am I going to do with the criminal investigation? Yeah. So as they become acquainted, uh, the photographer sets up his camera and insists on taking a photo of the family. But Hector is like shooing him away because he's like, this is a crime scene, sir. Like you can't just walk up here, Um, which is accurate. Even though the statue is there, Hector is still like, your kids saw something. And I'll believe your kids. But the photographer ignores him and takes a photo, which as the camera clicks, it explodes smoke from it, covering the entire area in a thick smoke that's making everyone like cough and cry. Is it early military uh, agent orange? Unclear. (laughs) But either way. Precursor. Yep, it's not good. And Hector yells at the military men to go after the photographer. Um, and luckily as like the smoke clears, there's no harm done to the family. The kids are okay. But in his fright, Choo Choo had just scrambled his way up into the winged Venus's arms. 
And like any good antiquities respecting child, Jodie Foster climbs up the statue to get Choo Choo. <laughs> Unfortunately, as Jodie Foster, um, aka Anne, is at the top of this large statue, it starts to crumble beneath her. Ooh, which is terrifying because oh this is like a huge statue. Yeah, and also and an artifact. <laughs> artifact, <laughs> and also in front of like the army and the minister of antiquities. You're not getting away with this. No. So Charlie, Hector, and the kids, as the statue has now crumbled, immediately run to like dig her out of the rubble and get Choo Choo. Oh Luckily, she's fine. But as they do this. Charlie and Hector realize that this isn't marble rubble that they're standing in. It's all plaster. And what they have been looking at was a perfect plaster replica of winged Venus. And with that, Hector is like, yeah, you got to come solve this for us. Like, (laughs) this is above my pay grade. You're on the case. Yeah. So again, let's break it down group by group by group. First... We've got the youngest, which is Scooter, Mimi, Nancy, Flip, and Choo Choo. Uh, to them, their most likely suspect is that photographer who had the camera smoke bomb situation. Um, and they think that he used, he was obviously there to like try and like cover his tracks that morning, use the smoke bomb camera thing to get away when he saw that people were closing in, and obviously use it to escape. They're talking about this over ice cream because Nancy's there. Of course. (laughs) It was her idea to get ice cream. It's her suggestion. She probably wouldn't stop yelling. (laughs) Probably wouldn't stop yelling and complaining until they got ice cream. They got it. Probably breaking a bunch of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But luckily, it was a good idea by Nance because they noticed that the photographer is across the street. He's kind of finishing up his afternoon coffee. And he hops on his bike and starts biking away. And so kids on his tail. And the photographer is like biking through some ruins because I guess all of Athens is just covered in ruins. It kind of looked like a graveyard. It was kind of scary, but the kids are going after him. He's clearly not like rushing to bike away. He's like on a leisurely commute. Um, And they kind of go through the center of the city and he stops at a building where he leaves his bike and goes into a dark building and doesn't turn any lights on as he goes in. And the kids are like, yeah, we'll go with with this strange man into the dark. No problem. So, yes, foreign (laughs) country, strange man. No adult supervision. No, no adult teen supervision. Or I guess I don't. I don't remember how old. No, yeah, is, but barely. Like, preteen Susie, you're not even there. No. Yeah, Susie's <laughs> not even babysitting. And dark building with no lights. Yes. So they truly we like see them going up the stairs in pitch black until they come to like a landing, and there's some doors and there's like a dim light coming out from under the doors. So they're like, this must be where he's trying to hide. Mm-hmm. So without pausing, they just open that door and Flip starts <laughs> screaming at the photographer to hand it over right now. Flip always coming in way too hot. Flipping on in. <laughs> yep. Flipping on in. Flipping off. Flipping in. It's Flip. <laughs> so, the photographer looks at them like kind of confused for a moment. 
And then is like, oh, right, like you were the kids from this morning. All right. He like tries to like calm them down and is like, give me just like a a minute or two. But the kids like this like insistence and trying to kind of like tell him to like get off his back just like infuriates all of them. And they're like, hand it over right now. Oh my gosh. (sighs) And eventually he's like, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. Let me just put the finishing touches on it. And we see him like stand over this table where he like moves some things around and he pulls out from like this kind of container on the table, the family photo from earlier that day, the kids look around and they realize that this is straight up a photography, like development lab and studio. (laughs) The walls are lined with like reels of photos and like photography (gasps) equipment. There's like a dark room. (laughs) There's like all of the like, like bins of like liquid where you like develop photos yeah, in like yeah. incredibly clear and yeah this, this is not like where he's storing the statue a huge statue <laughs> like would it even fit through the door no in <laughs> no. no way shape or form <laughs> would it have fit in this like band's like photography apartment basically <laughs> and very hilariously and awkwardly i think it's flip who like takes it and it's just like oh Thank you. And they all just like back out of the room. Don't pay for the photo. Don't pay like, him. Yeah. <laughs> like, Our weekend in Greece. <laughs> like family like photo. Pretty Summer cute vacay photo, 1972. Yeah. <laughs> just before the assassination. I mean, I mean family vacay. <laughs> the CIA like confiscates the photo. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, oh man. <laughs> they make a no photo copy. No, Charlie Chan was there. So they make a copy of the photo both for like the uh, next coup that was about to happen the next year and also for the growing like Chan children file of the CIA <laughs> yeah. from their international crime. International criminals, this international crime spree these Chans are on. Circles Nancy's face. <laughs> and we think she is at the center of it all. <laughs> big red circle around her she's like eating a jelly donut in the <laughs> just snacking it happens like baklava she's <laughs> <laughs> like arrows pointing at her <laughs> like the arrows are like through everyone else like you can't even see anyone else in the picture because the arrows are everywhere it's like only nancy she's a girl it's so like, like photocopying they, they it as like... we speak to mi6 she's in Greece. Like... she's on the move a wall of all these pictures of evidence and hers is like at the top with all the like <laughs> red strings leading up to her. <laughs> it's like the like Italian mafia just across the border <laughs> leading up the to Yakuza. Her. Oh my God. <laughs> because it's like a picture of her eating like a cannoli Italian mafia. <laughs> a mochi Yakuza. Yakuza. <laughs> Dumplings or something. The triads. She's been everywhere. <laughs> What dessert hasn't she touched? <laughs> Dessert's code. Dessert's code. <laughs> so, <sighs> meanwhile, we've got the middle group of kids, which is Susie, Alan, and slash Jody Foster and Tom. And they had gone back to the hotel with their dad, who's clearly like, he's not too worried about this case yet. They're trying to figure it out. And Charlie is just chilling there, like playing the violin. So this is like a very musical oh. family. Yeah, he's yeah, just like, I guess he brought that. his violin. Cool. Nice. And he's just like chilling, playing it. And he's like, hey, kids, want to see a cool trick? And they're like, what, dad? 
and there's like a crystal glass and he hits like a certain pitch would it be and the glass like explodes um because you know like it's like meant to say like if you hit a certain you know thing will explode pitch i don't know pitch is the right word the opera singer singing at such yeah i think pitch or or a note whatever note they hit and it yes yeah it all explodes but also like yeah so he's watch your feet now there's broken glass everywhere (laughs) don't clean this up (laughs) nancy not you solve a crime (laughs) yeah um Which is actually almost literally what the kids do. They're like into it and like Alan kind of like explains what happened and then they're all like, well, okay, there's like a crime to solve. So we're going to go do that. Bye, dad. <laughs> they, just, they like go down like, to oh. the, the hotel or something and they're like talking through what they know so far, which is not much, um, mm-hmm. which I think Charlie just like goes out onto the like fancy romantic balcony to like continue playing to like i'm just imagining him there's like the people of athens below just like white yeah. tears. Well, like, uh-huh. uh, wow <laughs> but the kids are pretty stumped uh about this case because not only was it like okay there's a replacement but like how the fuck did it like fly away into the sky yeah and they're like discussing this case again down in the lobby and tom kind of like shrugs and he's again they're in the lobby you know there's like little tourist pamphlets and he just like kind of picks one up to like thumb through and he says huh in rome do as the romans do and in greece do as the greeks do and he points to a set of ruins in the pamphlet that's for uh, a temple of apollo and the oracle of delphi and so delphi turns out is an actual place like in real life and in greek mythology and we're going to talk about for a second just because i think this is fascinating and again for some reason i can't help but go on tangents on this show that just like rabbit hole me to things so it's the writer's fault (laughs) it is putting interesting things in it so Mm -hmm. um Delphi is now an ancient site that holds the old temple of Apollo, which is where these kids are now heading because they're like, we got no other leads. We might as well go talk to this oracle, see what happens of Greek mythology and see what happens. Yeah. Literally their plan right now. So they head there. Um, But Apollo, the Greek god, was a god of a lot of things, including archery, music and dance, healing and diseases the sun and light, poetry and truth and prophecy. And the last of these is because he is an oracle giving God. He gives prophecies and visions to select like priestesses who serve as his oracle, which leads us to the Oracle of Delphi. Gotcha. So the Oracle of Delphi, I just think this is fucking cool as hell, uh, which is known, I think also as Pythia, was an actual high priestess of the temple of Apollo at Delphi. Hmm. And it said that this priestess would be divinely possessed by Apollo and produce prophecies given to her, which would make her whoever that woman in that position was. So like, it would be handpicked of like, gotcha. you are now the Oracle of Delphi. Like when the old one dies, a new one. Get would be ready to be possessed. <laughs> Get yeah. ready to be possessed by Apollo. Um <laughs> Making her, it's like, do you, you get possessed. You get possessed. You get, you get possessed. Come on down. You all get prophecy. Yeah. There would be more than one up to like three at a time, actually. So, oh, okay. It's true. And cool. 
I think this is fascinating because whoever was picked as the Oracle of Delphi, because this went on for, I assume, hundreds of years, um, would be one of the most powerful women in the classical world. And from, again, what I understand, the the priests of the temple would choose the woman, typically someone who is native of Delphi, um, often picked from a well-to-do influential family who was given an mm. education, no Hails surprise to time. those things. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Who gets the power? <laughs> yeah. Um, and she would serve as Oracle for her entire life. Um, and again, when she passed, a new Oracle would be chosen and as many as three could share these duties at once. And people would travel from all over the Greek empire to receive prophecies from these Oracles and again, I mainly go into all of this because this seems fucking cool as hell. And if I was in mm-hmm. ancient Greece, I'd want to be a fucking Oracle of Delphi and just be uh-huh. like, ta- acting <laughs> like I was possessed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Listen to the a- almighty Apollo. Exactly. <laughs> Bring me jelly donuts. Uh, and so just, I'm gonna guess like, right now that by the end of this episode, Nancy is gonna become one of these oracles. <laughs> God, she's climbing the ladder faster than we can slow her down. She's starting That's a great. call because she like clever for Apollo now. She's now <laughs> master criminal and has a cult following. Oh gosh, there's nothing she so, can't do. Yep, she does it all. So anyways, these like preteens head to the temple of Delphi, which in real life in modern times is two hours driving distance from Athens. Oh, the Chan van. I'm sure they brought it with them. They sure did. I think we don't see how they get there, but they get there. Okay. Anyways, (laughs) we see as they're making these plans, um, we see that there's someone in the hotel lobby eavesdropping on them and it's a very very short man which is interesting based on your last episode (laughs) with seymour because i reckon they're probably about the same size okay so it's just interesting that maybe after that debacle seymour got out and that's right grew a big black mustache yeah he already has he has one thick black eyebrows and thick black hair he had them all i mean that's obviously all these writers know about greek men exactly this could be him so interestingly when the kids head out to go to delphi this man goes to the front desk and gets the phone from like the front desk clerk and makes a call that we don't hear but they get to the temple of apollo in delphi And it's the usual, like, enormous marbled temple column, very dark inside with, like, a multi-storied statue of Apollo in, like, the main temple. It absolutely reminded me of Hercules when Mm -hmm. he goes to visit Zeus and talk to Zeus. It's, like, that exact scenario. There's even, like, a huge, large, like, fire pit, like, roaring in front of the statue. And as the kids get close, the fire like starts to pick up and the doors slam behind them. And Ooh. a voice reverberates throughout the temple saying, who speaks to the Oracle of Delphi? And the kids are like, we're two hours from where we should be. The doors just shut on us. 
The fire is getting stronger. Fires, uh, yeah, it's a little hot in here. It's a little hot in here. We're <laughs> maybe locked into now about to be a burning down building. Unclear. Cool, cool, so cool. understandably terrified, the kids mm-hmm. unhelpfully are just like, um, we do not helpful. But the voice demands come forward so that Apollo may see you. And as they get closer, Tom stutters out a question about like asking where the winged Venus is, where they can find it. And the voice, however, cuts him off and demands enough. Would you tempt the fates? Would you bear the wrath of Apollo? And they all start shaking their heads and they're like, we should not have fucking come here. And the Oracle shouts in response then, or the yeah, Oracle shouts in response, then yeah. give up this search. And as oh. they slowly step oh. away, because they're like, uh-oh, just bad despairs. We've Um, Anne notices this like wire on the ground going back into kind of like there's a bunch of like kind of like side offshoots from this main temple hall. She notices a little wire going back into one of those halls. And she notices this as the Oracle continues to say, give up this search, give up this search, give up this search. Which then Tom realizes both like seeing the wire that Anne points out and that it's just repeating it, that this is not a demand being repeated, but rather a recorded track that's skipping. Uh-huh. This is like skipping. Give us, uh-huh. give like, up the search. Give up this search. Give, give up, up this search. search. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they realize they've basically been Wizard of Oz um, uh. with this grand voice situation. But as they realize that from one of the side halls, a man with long facial hair in a full gladiator outfit like sprints out of the shadows of the temple and starts chasing the children with a spear. <laughs> no, 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 would hope so because they first smartly run to the front doors but they are straight up locked um so the kids have no choice but to run deeper and deeper into the temple including running into a room of marbled statues that are just straight up naked including some full frontal dude nudity in the 1970s because there was no rules no rules at all I, you know, this is a brave artist studio, like the animation team here. They They shot their shot and no one noticed. Like these statues, they had some balls. (laughs) (laughs) They wanted the viewers to know it. (laughs) Wow. Oh, man, that's crazy. That that is why there is not a season two. Um, the amazing Chan and the Chan Clay. Yeah. said, "Sorry, you said this is episode like fourteen or something." Yeah, it's towards the end. It's coming towards the end, they're like, "Oh, you <laughs> cut that shit off. You guys get two more episodes, and you're done." <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> There's no renewal about this episode. Parents' groups were like furious. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, um, yes, a classic chase ensues after that little situation, and the kids open up another door hoping that it goes to the outside. But luckily, it was Jodie Foster who opened the door. She's the athletic one. So she's able to, like, come to a screeching halt 
when she realizes that this is not just like another room or leading to the outside, but rather it's a very, very small, just like stone room that drops multiple stories into a dark pool of water. So like, well, maybe yeah, kind of unclear, but it's like stories down into this water. So thinking quickly, they leave the door open to be like, cool, we'll act like we went in here. And they just like hide behind it. The gladiator runs straight into it. And we hear a splash. And then the kids shut the door. So unless Apollo comes down to help this gladiator, this dude's going to fucking die. Yeah. Yeah. This is about to be a Greek version of the ring going down right now. What's a male version of, I think her name's Samara or something like that. Samuel. Samuel. (laughs) Coming out of this well in a gladiator suit. (laughs) Clanking around like he is not getting out of it and they just murdered him in it. So (laughs) that's it for the middle kids. They, I guess, get out. Okay. clean. Mm. Again, like they're like, did two. you see someone go down there? Mm, I didn't. Cut right, two, let's go. Four weeks from now, like crime scene tape across this <laughs> temple. Someone so, pulling out a picture of Nancy. Knew it was one of them. I knew that Chandy is all over the scene. Dancing and I see like crumbs and stuff everywhere, <laughs> like little smudges of jelly on like the walls. <laughs> Little cannoli <laughs> drips everywhere, or whatever. She's taking down Bok, another Bok one. Boss. Yeah, Damn like it. a sticky boss. Nancy Bok. Chan was here. <laughs> <laughs> so they just leave him to die, and the eldest kids, Henry and Stanley, are roaming around Athens discussing the case when they luckily see their favorite thing a sunglassed and cloaked man in a phone booth mm. speaking on the phone in a raspy voice saying, it wasn't easy, but I pulled it off. If you want it, you'll have to pay for it. And it'll be a lot of money. So Ooh. the man goes into a van, a windowless van, and the boys hop into the Chan oh. van and follow him. Um, the man drives out of Athens towards the coast. I did not Google Maps how far away the coast is from Athens like I did for Delphi. Because after the Delphi <laughs> thing, I was like, okay. I've read what enough. Is geography? <laughs> yeah. so, could be on the coast. I don't think it is. Whatever. No. Regardless, these the man... kids are getting some miles in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yes, they follow the man out of Athens. They're on the coast. And the man veers into an empty park and gets out of the van and goes to presumably meet the buyer. So this gives Henry and Stanley the chance to park their van out of sight and run up to this one and try and break into it as you would. But of course, the van is locked because why would it be unlocked? Um, but they can tell when, like, kind of trying to like bust it open that, like, this van is like weighed down with something heavy, like, something's going on here. But unfortunately, before they can figure out how to break into it, they hear two voices approaching. So, get out of the way, they just like scramble up a tree that's right nearby because it's too soon, it's too late to go back to the car. And below, the trench-coated man walks to the van with another guy who's in a green a green suit. Um, and he's exclaiming, the green suit man is exclaiming, like, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you actually got it. And the trench coat man is just, like, chuckling, like, 
I've never failed at a job. Of course I got it. Yeah, like, <laughs> duh. Of course I did. And Henry and Stanley hold their breath as the trench-coated man opens up the back of the van to reveal the thing that he got and is obviously selling to this green-suited dude. And the green-suited man, upon seeing what's in the back of this van, like, gasps in astonishment and says, a crested Patagonia ostrich, a first for our municipal zoo. So we see that it is indeed an ostrich. The back of the van. Like, it has wings. We were so (laughs) close. (laughs) We were on the right theme. Yeah, okay. And like a statue, it can't lie because it's an ostrich. (laughs) So, like, basically, can we take you to the authorities now? (laughs) Well, also seems actually, like a sketchy way to like deliver an ostrich too. Yes, so like, yeah. literally my next line. Uh, so it's not a winged Venus, but seems like a somewhat sketchy wildlife trade going yeah. on. <laughs> dot dot yeah. dot dot dot. And like with that phone call too, like the way he had to say it, like yeah. it wasn't easy. Well, I got it like, for you. Like you like a poacher? <laughs> yeah. Like, and well, it's clearly they said it's from Patagonia. So it's from South America, which also yeah, not a real animal. I think it's probably based off the ray, which is a flightless South American bird that's related to emus and ostriches which is all to say i do think he's a poacher and this municipal zoo is buying this ostrich from him illegally yeah obtained (laughs) without a doubt um and henry and stanley are like what and the mealy fall from the tree um the men are like what at like these two teenagers falling (laughs) from the sky what what (laughs) the spider-man meme yes (laughs) plus the ostrich wings doing it too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the ostrich is just as surprised uh, so uh, the boys run they're getting out of there good good yeah back in the van uh, stanley is like is that is that what you'd call getting the bird which is funny uh, so henry rolls his eyes at him um and as they're driving and out along the coast the car somehow probably because it was just driven to Delphi and back and now the coast and back just like breaks down. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe from like being out of coolant. I don't know anything. I know less about cars than I know. So about like steaming. Yeah, stuff. it's steaming. And yeah. Henry is like, we need to get some water. Yes. Okay. Then yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's the solution. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't, I guess salt water is a no-go because they're literally on the coast and they're like, we got to go find water, which yeah. makes sense, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. I Whatever. Don't much. Yeah. I mean, we are experts, but like, we just don't have time to talk about that right now. The mechanics of this engine. Yeah. God. Whatever. The year of this van, the engine, what hookups Salts Tom had done like to corrosive. It. I yeah. don't know. It's too much. They just can't use the seawater. Okay. Yeah. Also, like, at me, the fact that I did not look this up, but I looked up if that ostrich was real. (laughs) I realized, no, so it must be this other one. So. These these are the things that are more important to look up. Like, let's be real. Yeah. What am I going to need car facts? It's not like you're ever going to be stranded, like, because you run out of coolant in your car. Yeah. But what if I see an illegal trade of an ostrich? (laughs) I'm going to know it's an ostrich emu or a ray. You're welcome. So Mm -hmm. they hop out of the car and they start walking. 
Um, and luckily there is, because they're on the coast, a big lighthouse. Um, so they're like, well, someone will probably be there. Uh, we can ask them for help. It has like this huge winding staircase on the outside of it. And upon arrival, they do notice, unfortunately, that the lighthouse is most definitely abandoned. There's like cobwebs in the windows. No lights are on, but there is like a little spigot on the outside. So Henry starts filling up the bucket. And Stanley, not helping, notices that there's just like a cage on the side of a lighthouse. And so he's like, what's this? And walks in and is just like, what's this button? And just presses it. Um, but it turns out, even though it's kind of scary because it's a cage, it's yeah. basically just an elevator because it just shoots him to the top. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's a big lighthouse. There's tons of stairs. Obviously, someone was like, I am exhausted after a long day. I'm just going to make an elevator. <laughs> So it's going to make an elevator <laughs> real quick. Yeah. Just right quick. An elevator that hit of a button works. Yes. Um, so yes, Stanley zooms up. Henry is like, God damn it. And go has to hike all the way up to help uh, Stanley out. And as he steps out and, uh, or as Henry gets to the top, Stanley steps out. He's able to like get out of the little cage. Cause it had like, kind of like gotten locked. Cause it's a little rusted. Mm-hmm. so they're at the top and they're just like well okay i guess we should like you know go all the way back down now but the elevator just immediately drops so they're like oh, God. Good we didn't take this sketchy rusted elevator <laughs> let's just walk down great that's fine get cool, back that's to our fine. car better than dying <laughs> yeah exactly like smashing to the ground at a abandoned lighthouse where no one would ever find our bodies exactly cool so um as they are about to start walking down all of a sudden the light at the top of the lighthouse comes on out of nowhere. And they're like, we thought this shit was abandoned and immediately kind of like drop low because it starts spinning around and then stops and starts like almost like Morris coding, like flashing its light and then just stops. Um, mm-hmm. And Henry is the one who pointed out that like, that was definitely a pattern. That was definitely deliberate. That's a code or a signal, but to who? Yeah. And to their the answer world, to the whole sea coast. <laughs> right. To the coast, to the Mediterranean yeah. Sea. Yeah. To the cruise ship. <laughs> you see a bunch of ships like crash. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The Seymour riding on the cruise ship with the painting from your episode. Yeah. Painting. That's um, how we know that we're in Greece. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Lighthouse. And their answer, I will say, does come somewhat immediately, not necessarily of who uh, the signal is to, but why? Because they hear a helicopter approaching as, yeah. like a jar, the top of the lighthouse oh, opens. Whoa. Like, straight up, what? fully just lifted a lid. It pulls back and opens up, and the helicopter hovers over the lighthouse and drops down like a hook and chain and latches onto something in the lighthouse and pulls out the winged Venus and flies off into the distance, this artifact just dangling (laughs) from a helicopter into the Grecian coastal countryside. What? And the kids are still in there. 
just like yeah. hiding down or whatever. Yeah. They're By the way, like, this is like the closest they've ever gotten to solving something. <laughs> they're like, they're there. Yeah. yeah, they were there. They saw a transport happening. They probably hopefully tried to look in that helicopter, see what was going on, et cetera, et cetera. And also, God, what a hazard to all those poor shippers on the water. <laughs> Also, like, like uh, the light isn't shining, and it looks like a helicopter is on. Oh God, here there's some rocks. <laughs> yeah, and now the light is just in the sky. What does that mean? <laughs> She's like shooting straight yeah. up. I don't know. Planes are like dodging. Yeah. <laughs> also crashing into one another. <laughs> chaos. Military Meanwhile, needs to get cuts, this place under control. Cuts back to like the ice cream shop. Nancy's just sitting there <laughs> eating her ice cream. <laughs> As like drops it on, it like falls on the ground. The like whatever like Greek version of the CIA swarms her and like that was her signal. That was her signal. <laughs> Time to take her down. So you're like on the Chan Com phone. She or watch. She's like hacked it to like talk to some other totally different like criminal organization. <laughs> uh, and while that's happening to Nancy, most definitely, <laughs> we have our last investigator, Charlie Chan. Ah, so he the legit is back one. At, what was that? The legit one. Yeah. The actual investigator although again yeah. the older kids did see some shit go something. down but yes. it was by True. pure chance right. that they happened to be there mm-hmm. so uh charlie is back at the hotel and all of the kids are arriving back from their failed investigations and charlie is on the phone and we only hear his side of the conversation and he's saying an export company well what do they export oh and when are when is it intending to leave very interesting. Thank you, sir. And hmm. he hangs up and turns to the kids and specifically calls out Alan. Again, the like tinker with the cool glasses and bell bottoms. And mm-hmm. he just says, Alan, can we work on a quick project together for the afternoon? Okay. Can I borrow you for a hot sec a short while? <laughs> um, and the kids go off and hang out, I guess, while Alan and Charlie go work on something undisclosed at this moment. Um, but we see them all come back together again, Charlie, Alan, and the rest of the kids. Um, and they go to a giant factory. Um, and with no warrant that I'm aware of, they walk into this factory um and find that it is filled with like enormous replicas of the winged Venus, which Ooh. like I will Ooh. say it's actually very scary if there's any doctor who fans out there because of like these like angel statues in that show but basically it's like a pitch black almost pitch black warehouse sands like light from the windows and then these like two story tall or like a story and a half tall just like huge statues just like scattered throughout an empty Ah. warehouse room yeah it was creepy i did not like it so As they start looking around, they're confirming, they're kind of like tapping all the statues and confirming that they're all plaster, as Charlie suspected. And as they're doing this, Hector Olympias shows up and- Forgot his name. Yes, that's why I said his full name. Charlie (laughs) Olympias. 
<laughs> or Hector Olympias. Hector Olympias. <laughs> Hector Olympias. So um, again, uh, so he walks out and asks Charlie how the investigation is going, like is checking in. And Charlie is like, yeah, yeah, it's going fine. By the way, is this your factory? And Hector is mm-hmm. like, yeah, I make replicas of our most famous Greek statues. Like, Okay, well, that's, I mean, that doesn't kind of put you high on the list here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look good. Yeah, it's um, not like just a normal thing. <laughs> yeah, not a casual thing. Mm-hmm. And Charlie says, oh, no, no, I know. Um, can we have a winged Venus? And Hector is like, sure, I deliver international. Like, pick out which one. I'll get it to you. Look at split. Okay. And Charlie Chan says, no, no, I would like the real one. And Hector doesn't really seem to get what he's talking about. So Charlie Chan basically tells Alan to hit it. And Alan undoes this like briefcase thing that has like, has like little legs. So it's like now a little table briefcase. Okay. Um, and in it is like basically like a record and a speaker. And he turns it on and it's playing a very discordant violin. And Charlie mm. keeps telling him to like turn the pitch up higher and higher and higher. And it's just getting like the kids are pitch. like, yeah, like, ah, like dying. Yeah. yeah, horrible until the plaster statues start exploding one by one erupting. That is until one explodes to reveal beneath it the actual marble statue, which is not breaking at this particular pitch. Okay, 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 okay. So I'll ask in a minute. <laughs> of who, what, where, when, why, how? Of you're telling me they just covered the actual statue in plaster. Yes. And okay, yes. gotcha. I okay. think so that when transporting it, it wasn't like, well, we touched this one and it's clearly fucking marble. Gotta be like, true. Wouldn't that make it like way bigger than like it'd be heavier? Yeah, way and heavier, yeah, way larger bigger. with like the plaster on it. Yeah, the but coating. definitely at least heavier but okay i think hector was just like hoping that like well i mean no one's gonna like it's just like the shipping company they're not gonna pay right. attention they don't care they're not art fine. experts art yeah. historians exactly they <laughs> until they one actually is yeah <laughs> it's so like he's it. working like export stuff now he's like i actually have a phd in art history couldn't yeah. find a job though so then they do this now <laughs> this this is marble underneath. <laughs> I lifted it. It's marble. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Hector is just straight up caught red-handed with the statue in his factory. Yeah. And he confesses on the spot that yes, he was it's this, he did it. I will say he doesn't explain anything. So we're gonna go through a couple situations here. So a few closing thoughts. Number one. Did that gladiator die in the well? There's no problem. <laughs> I forgot about him. <laughs> Two, what the fuck's going on with this ostrich? It's a municipal zoo, which means it's government owned. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely an illegal wildlife trade. So definitely I put together that like the zoo is also corrupt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Essentially. Zoo. Everyone is corrupt here. The zoo in is In this corrupt. time in Athens. Yes. Apparently. And third, my wild speculation here about Hector, which is Hector is a government official, as we know he is. Um, And without a doubt, uh, 
you know, he's deep in, I would say, with the military, um, since they are doing the literal heavy lifting on this plot. Um, I assume that Hector was most likely part of the original coup that happened. Um, And this is 1972. So again, a military dictatorship of Greece, um, which again, I'm just ignorantly assuming is ripe with corruption. So someone like Hector used to be in the military, was part of the coup, buddies with the current dictator probably military is his buddies he can do whatever the fuck he wants right but sure i think hector has caught wind that there's about to be an overturn of power within this military junta Mm -hmm. like i said at the start the original dictator from the military coup in 1973 gets overthrown by a co-conspirator yep so i think hector Mm -hmm. saw the writing on the walls being like "Ooh." This guy's about to get ousted. I have aligned myself with him way too much that, like, if I'm still here, I'm fucking gonna get assassinated. Me too. Yep. Yep. So, not only do I need to get the fuck out of this country, thus going along with an export would be a perfect excuse for me to handle ever it. But two, I need some cold hard cash to get out of here. So I think he made a deal, most likely based on what the winged Venus is based off of i think he made a deal with the french government to sell them the winged venus to put it in the louvre (laughs) get that cash and probably head off to fucking brazil for the rest of his and also maybe some asylum or something like that yep exactly maybe he'll go see that patagonia ostrich in real life Mm -hmm. and that's it the end become a poacher wow (laughs) so that's it. This uh, episode is about military and government corruption. Seeing the writing on the wall from a, a coup. Was Charlie there to also help it happen? Unclear. Because mm-hmm. you know what? Hector knew exactly who Charlie Chan was. The second he arrived. He He's like, I know you. And that's how he knew. Like, oh, no. It's about to fucking go it's down. It's about to go down. I have less yep. than a mm-hmm. year. They're coming in to scope out the political situation. See yep. how the people are feeling. Yeah. Charlie Chan's. <laughs> on vacation there oh, yeah no okay. charlie chan's never just on vacation, on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> there's always a client uh, did i miss something why was the lighthouse significant like why did he have to hide it in the lighthouse i think it's because it- i was the only tall building okay yeah, that could true. fit it because it was that big that's it okay that's awesome. why was there the recording Wizard of Oz situation in Delphi with the gladiator? Unclear because yeah. why would the kids thought about that? Who was the man in the suit who called? No idea. Don't know who he called. Maybe I will say maybe he called someone to be like, yo, go get the scare tactic on at Delphi. They're coming your way. But we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. This show I've noticed they as much as I love it and I'm enjoying it, it's almost like they didn't quite know what they wanted to be. Like the writers, they're like, okay, we can do like straight up detective mystery or we can do like kids being chased by scary monsters a la Scooby-Doo because every episode has like that chase scene with like a masked sort of individual or someone in a costume. Yep. But like you never get any information exactly on who that person is or why the fuck they were chasing these kids. It's just like, oh, yeah, just throw in a chase scene with like a scary thing that's themed like where they are in this episode. Yeah, I feel like. Don't ask any other questions. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like one of two things, either like A, again, like 
a la, yes, like you said, I think in the last episode or we've mentioned before that like once Scooby-Doo hit the scene, there was like a million just like teenage detective shows. And so they were like, mm-hmm. what do we know about this formula? There's got to be a dog. There's got to be a chase scene. There's got to be teenagers. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, that's all we know. That wins. That sells, yeah. kid. But they were like, <laughs> how do we make it distinct? Oh, we'll add in some actual like miss, like detective work by one person sometimes. Yeah. Or <laughs> I think they were like, okay, here's the crime. Here's how Charlie will solve it. What sh- what will the kids do in the meantime? And they just had like a fishbowl of like little ideas written down on a piece of paper, like charades, and they would just pull one out, three mm. out per episode, and then just yeah. send one of the kids. Like right. a photographer, red herring, great, cool. Gladiator murder, you- no problem. Cool, got it. <laughs> lighthouse yeah. that's actually like just a storage unit for right. the stolen for- object of the day. Got yeah, it. for corrupt Done. individuals. Done. Let's Sold. go. <laughs> Write it in. We got the Sally animation, folks. All right, so. right. Run upstairs to see if we can reuse anything from Scooby Doo. Yeah, we got Lighthouse <laughs> Perfect. We'll make yeah. it open up. So, yeah, that's it. That um. Wow, great. That's job. how the Louvre got the statue. That's how Hector <laughs> Olympias wasn't assassinated in mm. the following years. Uh, he made it out alive, and that is how Charlie Chan spurred the. Uh, the violent, violent political events that would occur only a year later. <laughs> or is it Charlie, because he loves his daughter so much, just taking the heat for it when we know, <laughs> cut to, again, Nancy, now in a Greek jail, looking at her ice cream again. <laughs> again, it's like falls off her the cone. <laughs> Someone immediately comes out with another scoop and gives it to her. <laughs> yeah. We're so sorry, Miss Chan. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> and falls again. Oh God! Wow. So there we go. That's weekends it. with Dad. Continue, Dad. Always wow. up to who knows what. Frankly, who knows overthrowing yep. governments? Yep, left breaking right. fake artifacts. Yeah, and ultimately though, helping France out quite a bit because that statue yes. is it's it's a prominent part of the Louvre. So yes, yeah. exactly. Cool. Good, good for them. Good on the yeah. chance, I guess. Yes, <laughs> kind of. So. Uh, that's wow. it. That's our episode. That's what we got. <laughs> Great job. Um, Especially with all the you. history in there. Great job. Yes. Again, I rabbit hold real hard. Um, but between now and next week, who should our listeners and viewers tell about this show? Well, I think that uh, next time the listeners slash viewers are with their family on vacation at some uh-huh. massive tourist or like UNESCO World Heritage Ooh, Site. Uh-huh. There's going to be a photographer there somewhere, <laughs> just like the guy in this episode. He's yep. trying to make that money. He knows that mm-hmm. people like their pictures taken, even though everyone just takes their own pictures Don't nowadays. But find a photographer <laughs> who is super out of touch with <laughs> reality. Like still leaving he needs your money. Old it's camera. rough right now. Yeah, it's for rough him. for him. No one hires photographers like that anymore. So tell him to watch this podcast, him or her to watch this podcast. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and I think next time you're at the Louvre, uh, learn how to tell someone in French about this podcast mm, and mm-hmm. tell um, one of the curators at the Louvre. Boom. There you go. We will work on French subtitles as soon as we can. 
I thought like as you I'll started get, speaking I'll really get to slowly, type I was in. like, ooh, Alexis mm, is gonna say it in French. It. And then I was going to, but I'm not gonna embarrass myself because I'm sure <laughs> some sort of conjugation would be wrong. I do have a French dictionary back here somewhere though. It's like word by word. Exactly. Do the entire episode, just looking up each word one by one. Like, okay, <laughs> I swear we'll have the subtitles up in five years from now. <laughs> no, we don't. We're not liable for that promise. Oh, no. Yeah, it's a joke. No, anyway. no. <laughs> Anyways, we'll see you guys next week. Next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Morning Mysteries. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, review, leave us a like, and drop a comment. We post episodes every Saturday and bonus tune tangents whenever we feel like it. So please subscribe so you don't miss the shenanigans. And if you want to follow us on YouTube, click the bell under the YouTube subscribe button to receive notifications when new videos are posted. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we have no idea what you're listening to us on. So just hit the big subscribe button on whatever app you're using. We, we believe in you. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at SatmornMist, all the abreeds. And let us know if you have any episode or show requests by emailing SaturdayMorningMysteries at gmail.com. Thanks to Jenna Kendall for the logo design and to Ava Sakiki for the music used during this week's episode. See y'all groovy kids next week on Saturday Morning Mysteries.